If you mention how late this episode is, then you're anti-black. It's a fuck a lot of haters, everybody welcome back to the podcast episode seven like i said this episode's not late you're just early okay get it together um anyway so excited to be back this week if i sound tired it is certainly not because i'm groggy because i just slept for 16 hours that would not be the reason whatsoever however you know i'm just getting (laughs) i'm just getting a little stuff together okay this was my week of fun employment I had to fucking deep clean every single solitary room in my house and I'm still not done and I'm only one person so I have absolutely no idea how my house is such a fucking mess guys I I have no idea I don't know how this happened so I have been digging myself out of (laughs) this fucking mess for like five days and I'm still not done I am I'm just gonna hire a professional cleaner at this point but Let's get right into it, y'all. I know there were some topics that I really wanted to go over this week, some topics that I really wanted to address. And this week, there were a couple things I wanted to talk about. And, you know, I've been posting my questions of the day and y'all have really been tapping in. Love that. Love that. Um, So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is friendship, like navigating adult friendships. What the fuck are we doing? What? Okay, because there was some there. There's a situation that came up, you know, that I posted on the question of the day for everybody that follows me on Instagram. Um, If you don't go follow me, I think it's at Blacksplaining or at Blacksplaining podcast, but you'll find me. Okay. And then the other one thing I wanted to talk about was comedy. All right. You know, we have gotten into this before. You know, I did the very also controversial Dave Chappelle episode when I just said that you know comedian comedy is evolving but comedians are not um and they're using cancel culture as a veil to make it seem like it's them versus the audience but anyway so those are the two things that I wanted to get into and we're gonna get straight into it so the first thing I wanted to talk about y'all was y'all know the question of the day that I asked last week you know it was just about friendship it was about specifically like adult friendships you know I think it definitely gets difficult once you do start like engaging in friendships differently because you know like you in high school you got the 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 people that you kick it with on a consistent basis um you know the people that you talk to you know I think it's easier because like in high school you really don't Or like when you're younger, I shouldn't just say in high school, like when you're younger, it is much easier to navigate friendships because it's like you see these people all day fucking every day. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're in school or like if you have like a neighborhood community center or something that you hang out at, you know, you're seeing these people on a consistent basis. So it's much easier to maintain those connections as opposed to when you're older and, you know, you've got responsibilities, they've got responsibilities and you have to be intentional about spending time with each other because, you know, There are no situations when you're just, you know, like forced (laughs) to be around each other, like for lack of a better phrase. But, you know, in high school, middle school, elementary school, you know, community center activities, you know, if you're like in a a group, like if you do like extracurricular activities, like you're in dance or you cheerlead or, you know, something like that, where, you know, a lot of that time is just like required for you to be around them. It's much easier to maintain those friendships, even if you're like, fucking neighbors (laughs) or some shit like that you know what I mean that's that's just the point I'm trying to make there but as an adult you have to be intentional about hanging out with people you have to be like hey like 
I got some time on Wednesday. I got some time on Thursday. Like, let's do dinner. Let's go to karaoke. You know, you have to be intentional. And for the most part, you're going to have to spend a little bread if you want to be an adult hanging out with somebody because you're going to want to get drinks or you're going to want to do dinner or you want to go to an activity, like whatever the case is. Like, it, so it also becomes a little bit more difficult and, and, and complicated once you become adult because there's all these extra levels, all these extra steps. You know what I mean? And for the most part, I have like, you know, a, a, a solid group of friends, like people that, you know, if I'm if I'm doing something or if I'm having something like these, I'm inviting this set group of people. You know what I mean? And those are the people that I like to, you know, keep around me and to hang out with and to travel with and stuff like that. And for the most part, like I have obtained friends in very creative ways. Like, you know, I have my best friend who we met in high school and, you know, 10 toes down ever since. And he just does not live in the same place as me anymore. You know what I'm saying? But anytime anything big's going on, anytime, you know, we feel like we need to see each other, we make that shit happen because, you know, <clears throat> we're friends and that's intentional. And then I have like my close friends who are here in the same city as me. And um, one of them I met through like another friend years and years ago. And like all of those other friends are gone and we are just the two last men standing. But you know, that's my bitch. We tend to down as well. And then I have another couple friends who are who were more more so friends of hers. And then we all started hanging out together. We ended up traveling together and it was a great experience. So, you know. They have been around my family and it's always a good time. So I really value those people. And then I have another group of friends who, you know, they started off as my sister's friends. You know, she had met them in high school and my sister and I are not very far apart in age. So, you know, our her friends, you know, they, they definitely took me on, especially because for a while I didn't have my own friends. So I just hung out with my sister all the time. You know, anytime she went somewhere, I'm coming with her. I don't have any friends. So they really took me on and they have legitimately become actual friends to me. And I, I definitely appreciate them because, you know, they didn't have to do that. I was, you know, her little sister just kind of tagging along because I was bored and lonely and they became genuine friends to me. And I, I really appreciate that of them. But you know, I, adult friendships, you know, are intentional and they can be complicated and nuanced. You know, like I, the, the, the group of friends that started off as my sister's friends, they are, while we're not far apart in age, they are older than me. So they're at different stages in their life. You know, they're in serious relationships, they're buying homes, they're doing a lot more traveling, you know, things like that. And while sometimes I don't see them as much, they are all very intentional about like, okay, we're going to set aside XYZ dates, nobody plan anything, and we're going to like see each other. Like, you know what I mean? And it always happens. Like life happens to everybody, but you know, when you're intentional, you know, you can maintain the, like, I'm gonna keep using that word y'all because that's what it is. It's all about intent. Like if you have no intention on, you know, keeping friends or maintaining connections, then they're going to fall apart and you're going to see that in your life. But nonetheless, so yeah, so that group of friends is very intentional, you know, still very close, still very tight knit. You know, my sister's getting married. Another one of our friends is getting married. Like everybody's going through another one of the friends, you know, is, you know, did a home purchase, you know, recently. And, you know, another one of the friends is going through transitional, you know, relationships and stuff. So it's just there's a lot going on. And, you know, if everybody just kind of let go you know, the friendships would not maintain connected, you know, the other group of friends, you know, the one that's the ones that are friends that are like here in my city, because I have another really close friend and he lives out in um, LA. And you know, he's doing the 
I'm I, I'm gonna blow up thing you know I trying to seek being an actor stuff like that and you know I, he's very talented he is very funny like I tell him all the time like the second you win an Emmy an Oscar a Grammy whatever the fuck if I'm not in that acceptance speech I'm gonna start a hate group on Facebook all right and and you're gonna see <laughs> but no but yeah y'all like the the group that's here in Milwaukee we are a little bit closer in age and we like a lot of the same things you know we still like going out to the club being out you know shaking a little tail cutting a little rug woo woo and then you know I have some extended friends and the question of the day that I posted all those weeks ago was about an extended friend so for everybody that's not on Instagram I'll just read the question of the day that I posted and this is the question of the day that was about you know that extended friend so I have this friend I took a step back from no beef just feeling very unfulfilled in the friendship didn't ghost her didn't cut her off just stopped prioritizing inviting them to things every time I saw her it was all love tried to explain once before but she made the entire thing about her feelings she has started making it very hard to hang out with mutual friends because she believes I have betrayed her I don't want my friends to have to deal with a mess I try to avoid should I sit this friend down and run interference and for the most part Everybody voted no on that one. Like, don't explain yourself or don't at least continue to try to explain yourself. Because I did, y'all. Like, I I did. So I'm going to go to the beginning of this friendship, y'all. So this is a friend of a friend. You know, if you have been faithful to the pod, which I hope you are, you'll know that I had, like, this close friend that I tried to live with. It bombed our friendship. We no longer speak, right? So this is a friend that I met through that situation. Like... The, the friend that I tried to live with, he has a, his, his boyfriend had also become very close to me. And this was like his boyfriend's best friend because we were all hanging out together and whatnot. You know, we became close. We started to hang out a little bit more and woo, woo, woo. Fast forward a couple years, the old roommate and his boyfriend, they're in a different part of the country, but this friend is still here. We hang out, we do stuff together, you know, and I have made a considerable amount of effort with this friend like I hosted and paid for a significant amount of a birthday party for this friend and when I say I hosted it was at my house I picked up all the food I did all well I didn't do any decorating that was our other friend but it was at my house paid for food picked up food organized like had like 12 14 15 people over for this birthday party at my house you know, she has been through some crises in her life and she'll send out a message and be like, hey, I need my village. And on multiple accounts or multiple occasions, excuse me, I have dropped everything to be there for her, you know, as you do for a friend. And not that I'm saying any of this because I'm tallying up everything that I've done, you know, just so that she can do the same for me. But I'm just, you know, from I, I'm just trying to explain that how from my perspective, it would seem like, you know, I'm participating in this friendship. However, you know, I started to feel like really drained. Like this is a friend that like asks for money constantly and, you know, we go out or something like that and they're being covered, woo, 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 which is fine. I've said this on many previous episodes, like I'm not in friendship so that I can be, you know, dollar for dollar getting you know out itemizing our friendship or no shit like that but when it's one-sided and when like that's all that's being asked of you it can just be it can just get a little draining so 
I am not being, you know, I'm not being, you know, treated in the friendship as I am treating this other person to my perspective. And, you know, there was a situation where there were some last minute plans made and, you know, she didn't even invite me and I wasn't going to go. She told us like an hour before this started. She's like, oh, yeah. I'm going with some other friends, you know, we're going to do this event and then we're going to do lunch. Like if you guys are free, you should join us. I'm like, cool. That sounds fun. So I hit up our other friend. I'm like, do you want to go? Like, it seems pretty cool. I think it was like a black marketplace or something like that. So black vendors, black food, you know, black entertainer, stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. So me and the other friend are like, yeah, we'll go. So I am intentionally making plans with the other friend because like I said, we were not invited until the last second. So, um, we get there, we go to this black marketplace, they show up later than we do. Um, and then they're like, oh, well, we want to go to lunch. And I'm just like, oh, well, to let us know where you guys are going to go. And, you know, we'll meet you over there. So me and the other friend that I came with, um, we go, you know, to the lunch place. And then I get a text message and it's like, oh, well, you know, can you cover like my food for this lunch? And I'm like, we did not come here together. You didn't ride with me. You didn't invite me. But the second I get here, you're asking me to cover your tab. Like, that just shows me that, and at least from my perspective, that the reason you wanted me here was so that I could put the bill. And that feels hurtful because, you know, as a friend, I'm hoping you want me here because you want to spend time with me. And, you know, I talked to my therapist about it and she's like, you, you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, you can't just assume malice. And I'm just like, I cannot help how something looks based on their actions. Like, I get that I'm not supposed to, like, just assume bad intent or assume malice. But I'm like, that, it hurt and I'm it, that, it's not going to change. You know what I'm saying? So... After that, I was just like, let me take a step back. And immediately she kind of noticed that I was just kind of taking a step back. Like I was not participating in things. I wasn't coming to things. I wasn't going to things, things like that. So her and I had had a conversation very early on about like, especially after she had gone through like this really, really tough situation in her life. We had had a conversation during that season and she was just telling me everything she was going through. And I was just like, I... I love you. I care for you. Obviously, I showed up here for you, but I just can't help shaking this feeling that, you know, this this friendship is only going one way. And immediately she was just like, yeah, yeah. And then starts going on and on continue just continuing about like all of the things that she's going through in her life and I was just like okay like no I get it and I'm not trying to take away from that um I just kind of wanted to like because she had noticed and she brought it up like you know I like you seem kind of distant like you're not as active in the group chat and I was just like I don't have a problem like this is just how I'm feeling and then the conversation immediately went back to this is why this is what I'm going through. And this is why what I'm going through is important. And I was just like, okay, that 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 definitely gives me all of the context that I need for this friendship. You know what I mean? So I took I made the decision then that I was just gonna stay, (laughs) you know, in I was gonna continue on the path that I was like, not gonna I'm not gonna prioritize this person. I'm not gonna like treat them any differently. But I think you know, the thing about friendships that makes them lasting friendships is intent. And my intent was not to like build this friendship anymore. You know what I mean? Like, no malice. Every time I saw her somewhere, oh my God, hey girl, it's good to see you. I'm so glad you're doing well. I'm so glad you know, you're you're weathering these these seasons. Like, 
every time I see her, like that same energy, like, oh, I'm so glad you're doing well. It's so good to see you. It's just that like, I might not necessarily include them in some of the more, you know, I would say, what's a good word, like important, quote unquote, like activities in my life. Like my golden birthday was last year and I had this whole thing planned. I did a birthday rager, like we did a rage room, we did a dinner, like, and then obviously we was at the club, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it was like, it was, it was so fun. Like my birthday was amazing. I had so much fun. My parents got to be a part of it. You know, my parents have this rule that where they don't drink with us. So they didn't like come to the dinner or like obviously to the club. And that's fine because as a millennial being raised by boomers, I do not have that expectation that they want to participate in that. But, you know, my birth, I say this to say that I had an amazing birthday. Like it felt so good to be around people that like I cared about and, you know, cared about me and such and such. Like the week after that, I went to Jamaica, like I was having, I was on a high, I was having such a great time in my life. And I was just like, this is how I want to feel. Like, you know, these people were intentional. They showed up for me and they, I want to show up for them, you know, their birthdays I try to do things and participate in the way that they would like us to participate and if I can feel the I can feel the mutual you know intent there so you know I it had been a while since the you know this friend and I had connected because like I said I was just being I wasn't being I, I, I did take a step back, but I didn't cut her off. I didn't ghost her. Like, she reached out to me, said happy birthday. I was like, oh, thank you so much. Hope you're doing well. Woo, woo. But I really wasn't trying to build off that. So uh, the beginning of this year, she reached out to me, and she's like, hey, it's been a minute. Wondering if we could just get dinner and talk or lunch and, or something. Like, we could just meet up and talk. And I was just like, you know what? I was very torn on if I was going to respond to this message, but, like, absolutely we can sit down, we can chat. So we get to this list. We, I think we had lunch. So we get to lunch and you know, I, I think the two things that I said about myself were, Oh, I'm good. How are you? Like at the obligatory opening question, like, um, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? And then it immediately goes to her life, her problems, her, you know, things about her. And I was like, this feels like a pattern. Like I'm not cutting her off. I'm letting her talk. Eventually we do get to a part of the conversation where I get to talk about, uh, the trip that I took to Jamaica. Um, but that's it. You know, no questions about how I'm doing, how are things going in my life? Woo woo. woo. And I was just like, yeah, uh, (laughs) this definitely reinforces the pattern that I had already saw or that I had already seen. I don't know y'all, but, um, I was like, I don't really need to do much from here. Like, you know, we finished the lunch, we go our separate ways and I felt good about it. Like I thought it was a pleasant lunch. It was a good quick catch up, but it didn't resolve anything. And the crate, and the thing is that I didn't anticipate it resolving anything. I thought this was literally just what it was. Like this was a check-in. Like she just wanted to see like what was going on, despite the fact that she didn't really ask what was going on. And so about a week later, she messages our mutual friend who is, that's the one that I said, like we met through a, we met in a mess of a situation, but we've been 10 toes down ever since. Like she texts that friend and she's just like, I'm just going to have to love 
from afar talking about me and saying that like I wasn't including her in things that she thought we would have done together as friends and I'm just like I made that decision a year ago you know what I mean and it has not been an issue because I haven't treated you differently and this just reinforces the issue that I was talking about when I said everything was about her well as friends I would just expect to be included why this is my life I don't have to include anybody in any fucking thing that I don't want to you know what I mean like I don't get and this is what I was telling our friend. I was like, this is exactly what I was talking about. Everything is about her feelings. And I won't be doing that. I'm not doing it, okay? I don't give a fuck, okay? Uh, look, y'all. Y'all been listening to this podcast long enough to know that I don't give a fuck, okay? I don't care. So I was just like, okay. But then what also started happening is because she has a, I'm not going, I can't explain all these damn connections, y'all, because when I tell y'all my friends, we have these complicated ass relationships. So one of the guys that we went to Jamaica with, he is in this situationship with a friend of this friend, the one that I took a step back from. So she has this best friend who is like, you know, this free person and she is in an open relationship. So the friend I went to Jamaica with, he has been entangled with in a situationship with her for a while and she loved her. You know, she's participated in my birthday. She's been to things that I've had because like she can come, she can show up, make it a great time and it's not an issue. Like, you know what I mean? As opposed to where the other friends, I'm just like feeling very drained by that energy. So he had like, well, I was planning to go out a couple weeks ago and he asked her to come. And I haven't, like I said, no problem with this girl, but apparently the other friend is telling her like, well, I don't really fuck with Sierra no more. So it would pro- like, so now she's just making it awkward for people who are mutual friends of both of us to feel like they can be around us. And that's the shit I wanted to fucking avoid. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I ain't never, I'm a grown, I'm grown as a bitch. I'm not gonna be like, you can't hang out with them if you're friends with me because that's petty as fuck. And the fact that this motherfucker is walking around like telling people you don't fuck with me, bitch, you ain't never gotta fuck with me a day in your life. You ain't never gotta feel like you gotta be friends with me a day in your motherfucking life. But the one thing you're not about to do is drag everybody fucking into it. You know what I mean? Like that's it's just making it difficult and it's putting everybody in this awkward ass position cuz I would never do that to any of my friends. You want to invite this girl, invite her. You want to go to her event, go to her event. I don't have to go with you. Like, you know what I mean? There are just some boundaries there and that's it. And the fact that she's dragging it out like this and like making it awkward for people to feel like they can be on both sides of the fence. It's just, it's giving petty. It's giving ninth grade. It's giving bully. Like I, I don't need that. And so, um, and now, cause I told y'all about this last time, my fucking friends was on Twitch talking about me. Cause apparently everybody thinks I'm fucking wrong. And the thing here is, I don't give a fuck if you think I'm wrong. I don't give a fuck if you think I handled the situation correctly. Like I made a choice. I fucking stuck with it. And I said what the fuck I said. You feel what I'm saying? Everybody's like, well, you got to communicate if you have a problem. How the fuck are you going to communicate and talk about a problem when people are not even willing to talk about anybody other than themselves? You know what I mean? So that's what I'd be saying. That's exactly what happened in this situation, y'all. Adult friendships are, like I said, if you're, if the intention is not there, if you're not being intentional about this friendship and you expect me to kiss your fucking ass, you can go fuck yourself. 
because I won't be doing that. If I take a step back from somebody, even if even there's no problem. And that's the thing. As adults, I need us to get away from the 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 conception or the idea that breakups in relationships, whether it is friendships, romantic partners, whatever the fuck, there's a villain there because there isn't. Me and this person do not have any beef. We are just growing apart and that's it. I have outgrown so many fucking friendships, y'all. I don't even know if I told you. I had a friend who her friends tried to break into my motherfucking house, okay? That was a cut off, okay? That was a block, a delete, okay? And anytime I see that girl, I still be like, oh, hope you and your son are doing good. Hope you're blessed. Because I don't hold animosity towards people. Being angry at people just means that they're sleeping good. They're living good lives. And you sitting over here tossing and turning in your sleep, wishing something would happen to them. And that is not how I desire to live my life. The only person that I have any type of animosity towards is AT&T, <laughs> okay? That is the only, I will only ever hold hatred in my heart for AT&T and my last job. So fuck all this other ass bullshit, y'all. Adult friendships, I really need us to get past the concept, oh, well, there's beef and now we can't hang out. No, I, I, we just don't have to be besties. You know what I'm saying? I have absolutely no problem being nice to and extending courtesy and kindness to people that I don't consider a close friend. I do it all the time when I go to work and I tell my fucking coworkers, oh, I, that's so great. I'm so glad you're accomplishing this. I don't care. Don't care don't care you know I, I I have absolutely no problem woo, woo, woo. but that's what I wanted to talk about on the friendship tip like motherfucker I, I want you to know that if I took a step back from you and you feel like you got a problem with me for it you're alone that's it I'm gonna wrap this up y'all because I, I'm getting a little long-winded and I did definitely have another topic that I wanted to address so but that's that on that Okay, so the other thing that I wanted to talk about, y'all, is I, the one of the, okay, so the the the, the podcast was originally late, delayed from Wednesday to Thursday because I wanted to watch the Chris Rock special because I saw everybody talking about it and being like, oh, this was whack, this was weak, like, woo, woo, woo. And I was just like, hmm, I wonder if he is taking the Dave Chappelle approach to comedy now that he is at this stage in his career. And he is. <laughs> he absolutely is so what I will say y'all is like I appreciate Chris Rock as a comic and a comedian just the same way I appreciate Dave Chappelle as a comedian all of the you know people who were foundational in the development of comedy especially black comedy you know what I mean I appreciate all of those people and their contribution contributions excuse me to the space of comedy because you know Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle were especially important when it came to like talking about issues that affected us as black people you know talking about police and talking about like racist and you know you, everybody can remember the fucking uh chris rock joke where he's like oh one of my neighbors is mary j blige and best r&b artist and woo 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 and you know my white neighbor you know what he does he's a dentist 
everybody can remember those pivotal jokes okay everybody remembers the Chappelle show everybody remembers you know his earlier years when he's like oh open and shut case uh sprinkle some crack on him and well everybody remembers those pivotal comedic moments that shaped how black people view viewed comedy and how black people were able to participate in the space of comedy when our experiences were not necessarily the same as a lot of the white stand-up comedians and our you know observations especially were not the same as white stand-up comedians you know like everybody can remember Jeff Foxworthy you might be a redneck and that's not something that you know it's funny ha 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 um but that's not something that we can relate to so Dave Chappelle Chris Rock even you know I'll entertainers like or comedians D.L. Hughley Cedric the Entertainer Earthquake um who else like there are so many black comedians out there that like Oh, even, you know, Steve Harvey, Bernie Mac, Red, you know, all of these pivotal black comedians that spoke to our experience. And I think now comedy is in a place where, you know, those experiences that are your own and that are personal to you are especially important. But like I said, in the episode about Dave Chappelle, like stepping outside of your own identity because of observations that don't make sense to you or because of experiences that don't make sense to you are starting to you know, swerve out of your lane a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I said about Dave Chappelle, he's funny. A lot of people think he's funny. Cancel culture will never exist and hold comedians accountable because they're too famous, they're too popular, and people are too brainwashed. So that's what that that's exactly what I said about Dave Chappelle. But you know, the Chris Rock special it did it had some funny jokes you know what I'm saying he he made this this joke about like everybody thinks there's a victim and I was just like oh I was grumbling but he had a funny joke about like white men he was like oh they think they're victims and they're losing the country and he was like to who and I was just like you know what honestly tell me that you know he has some funny jokes and he made um uh, he was he made some joke about Snoop Dogg and he was like this is just a joke the last thing I need is another mad rapper and I was just like damn that's funny because that nigga Will Smith smacked the fuck out of you on live television so and then you know the Meghan Markle situation it's touchy and I definitely am always in support of black women but like he also had this joke where he was like oh Meghan Markle didn't know that the royal family was racist and the royal family it, they are the original racist okay British colonialism uh, British oligarchy you didn't know they were racist okay all right <laughs> so that was a little funny you know what I mean and then um he went on this like he he had a women's choice section and he was like I think women should be able to kill as many babies as they want until the age of four and he was just like I don't know he made this joke like oh I got your report card you got good grades like oh yep you can finish watching Coco Melon like those are he 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 you know what I mean like there were definitely some moments in the special where I was like that's funny you know what I mean like that's that, that's that's a chuckle you know because like I also like boomer stand-up comedians and this leads me into the you know my next part of this analysis was there were so many parts of this special where it was just like that boomer rage you know and he's like everybody's too woke 
everybody's trying to be a biz or a victim and like businesses are too political I think he said he went to like Lululemon or something and he saw that they had like an anti-racist sign in the door or something like that and he was just like um and I mean he's right Lululemon sells a hundred dollar leggings you know Lululemon doesn't like poor people but you know just saying that businesses are too political and he made the joke he made a pronoun joke oh my pronouns are broke or some shit like that I don't know and then he was talking about the slap again because that's his shtick from here on out and I mean I get it somebody slaps me on national television I'm talking about it every opportunity I get because why would you try me like this you know what I mean but also somebody slaps me on national television it's also going to turn into a fight on national television all right so yeah it'll be the vibe awards <laughs> all over again but um and then he was talking about Jada specifically and he was like nobody's picking on this bitch and I was just like why do men go there all the time you know what I mean like anyway and his closing line y'all was his closing line was don't fight in front of white people and i'm just like you done did this whole fucking oh everybody's trying to be a victim and you're gonna close with don't fight in front of white people bitch don't nobody care about white people's feelings and that's the thing that's what i don't get chris rock built a considerable amount or a considerable you know portion of his career off of not giving a fuck about what white people think and you know making these jokes and stuff and 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 in antithesis to white people and for you to be like oh well I was taught don't get to fighting in front of white people who gives a fuck who gives a fuck Will Smith rocked your shit in front of the motion picture associate or not the motion picture associates in front of the academy the academy the recording arts and sciences academy he rocked your shit in front of this group of old ass white people and their old ass white money and he didn't give a fuck he would probably do it again and you out here talking about don't fight in front of white people that you wish he would have had abided by that principle and he didn't get up there and touch your test your jaw that's why you're mad and i don't understand that because i I'm definitely pro-violence, y'all. I'm a st- I'm I'm no, I'm never gonna lie about that. Okay, if you feel like you gotta slap somebody, there is literally nothing anybody else can do about that. You know what I mean? Like, I think white people especially try to get on this pedestal and be like, "Oh, violence is never the answer." When violence was literally the way they obtained this country. So I'm never gonna be like, "I'm not violent. I don't believe in violence." Beat them the fuck up, okay? Who cares? Um. But no, like, it was just like, it was that boomer angst and rage where I'm just like, you know what, y'all, I feel like comedy is at a point where, you know, like the type of comedy and the ways people engage in comedy are different. You know, a lot of the comedy, quote unquote, that people are participating is it's online comedy, it's skits, it's pranks, it's whatever the case is it's like those awkwardy angsty interviews that are like you know funny marco and stuff like that and a lot of the the, that's a lot of the comedy that people consume these days it's like the online comedy the really quick gratification comedy and it's you know the comedy that comes out of situations like you know I I'm not a fan of pranks and I'm not a fan of the like type of stuff that where they're like invading people's personal space or trying to like touch people or or whatever the case or like harass people at their jobs whatever 
But that's a lot of the stuff that people like these days, that 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 comedy, quote unquote, that has that instant gratification. You know, you're immediately seeing the result or the payoff of the quote unquote punchline. That's what people like. And I think that comedy is now in a place where, you know, like your personal experiences and your personal um, and your personal so your personal experiences and your personal identity are they're going to be a big part of like what you're talking about if you're doing stand-up or if you're doing skits or something like that it's going to be a big part you know I a lot of people like to do the the side bitch comedy skits or the side nigga comedy skits or the baby mama comedy skits especially within you know black content creators like that's a big part of what's funny to black people don't know why and for white people it's pranks (laughs) you know they love seeing people like cross the line and violate boundaries and stuff like that and get like you know, close to almost getting locked up. White people love that kind of stuff. White people love pranks and they love prank channels. They love, you know, impractical jokers. That stuff is very funny to them. And, you know, a lot of, especially the younger kids, think that's funny too because they think everybody takes everything too seriously. And that's the type of comedy that is like leading the forefront right now. And, you know, the stand-up comedians, you know, I saw Kev on stage a few months ago. Last night I saw Tony Baker and, you know, he had like, Kev on stage had to hear more with him they were both funny they were both hilarious and they were not in that oh comedians can't be comedians space anymore because their comedy didn't even start in the stand-up space and I think that that is something that these you know more seasoned comedians can take a note from they can learn from that like Kev on stage was especially hilarious because a part of his experience was like the church experience and that's something that I can relate to you know I was a kid in church I grew up in the church I had I have family that are ministers and deacons and stuff like that 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 resonated with me and I think a lot of black people have similar experiences and you know to hear more was (laughs) incredibly funny you know and some of his jokes were a little raunchier but because he just had that like raw personal experience comedy which was very pungent and it it, it hit because it's like oh this fucking hilarious because like it's relatable and also because it's like damn I never thought about like this shit like that before they were hilarious together and last night we saw Tony Baker and he was so he was so funny in like a refreshing new way because he's like talking about things in a way that like pushes those boundaries you know what I mean like comedians are on stage being like oh everybody's trying to push an agenda and they trying to push everything in our face and woo 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 and pronouns and woo 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 and Tony Baker as this sixth like six foot five black man is standing up on stage making a joke about like men like we got to make a decision if we're going to participate in the gay community are we going to be in the front or in the back and it's tearing everybody up everybody is cracking the fuck up like engaging in comedy that pushes those boundaries and like makes a joke of the situation in a way that does not disparage anybody that is that's a great skill and I think that like especially when it comes to like identity politics like I a lot of them could have been like you know Tony Baker is online he does a lot of like the animal videos and voiceovers and stuff like that so it was really never his lane to do comedy that you know was making fun of people's identities but you know Tony Baker came on stage to hear more even Daniel Lewis who was like one of his openers they're all from all deaf digital and they literally have videos that are just like fucking roast battles like you know who's roasting each other more and I remember 
like somebody was roasting either Doughboy or Teddy Ray, may he rest in peace, or or maybe to hear, and they were just so fucking funny. Like they, the one of the niggas made this one joke. He was like, "Oh, you look like you broke in somebody's house and you stole all the sandwiches." And I don't know why, but everybody in the video, I think I was watching it with my sisters. We were dead. Like we were absolutely dead. And like this comedy especially like when it comes to roasting and you're literally just roasting each other. Like you're not, you know, making fun of people who are not participating in this. Like that kind of comedy is funny because all of the people who are participating in this are consenting. You know, they are, they're participating in this process and it's funny. And because like they can find the humor in it too. And that's the thing. I think comedians have gotten to a point where they are tired of not being able to punch down. And, you know, I think like, especially when it comes to the queer community and when it comes to like, the idea of intersectionality and that's what I talked about when I was doing the Dave Chappelle episode is that that's where comedians lack like it's funny when you talk about cops and when you talk about black people and you talk about rich white people because those all highlight you know things that are at the intersections of your identity you're a rich man who's also a black man who lives in an affluent neighborhood and sends his kids to private school that's funny because it's an experience that analyzes your intersectionality but now you know you're out here talking about oh trans people are victims and my pronouns are bro and you know I'm not gonna participate in anybody's delusion that lacks intersectionality there are black trans people there are black queer people and they those people are very much so under attack because of those pieces of their identity and you sitting here up on this soapbox being mad because those people are fearful of their lives and don't take it lightly when you make jokes about them just shows that you lack the intersectionality to move comedy forward and that's a you problem it's not an us problem you know what I mean because there are plenty of good black comedians who made it you know who, who, who created their platform and developed their audience by telling jokes that highlighted their experience and didn't you know, use the, oh, I can't tell any kind of jokes, you know, oh, comedians can't do anything who didn't use that shtick, you know, to hide from the fact that they're unsure on how to progress their comedy. You know, I said it on the Dave Chappelle episodes, there are so many black comedians that I love, I will recommend, you know what I mean? And the fact that, you know, Dave, the Dave Chappelle's and the Chris Rock's and the whoever else is think they're just so pigeon held. And I hate to say this, y'all. I even it's I'm sorry. It's, it's going to be hard getting this off my lips. Even ugh, Kevin Hart, ugh, even Kevin Hart ugh, found a way <laughs> to be funny for a while before he got onto the same soapbox, you know, oh, I just can't do anything right soapbox. Even Kevin Hart had like a good set of comedy for a while. You know what I mean? I'm a, gro I'm a grown little man or something like that. Seriously funny. Those were good sets. Amazing sets. You know what I mean? And you could tell because TBS, TLC, TNT, whoever, they played them on a fucking constant loop. You know, um, the, 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 the bit, you know, of, uh, oh, my mom told me to tell you. I, you know how many people still fucking repeat that shit? Like, still fucking say that shit? You know, still use those bits, you know, in day-to-day -day conversation? Like, I 
yeah what i'm saying is that like you know once comedians especially feel like they've been backed into a corner and they can no longer punch down at people like they get really defensive and then oh now it's the audience's fault because we don't think it's funny and now we're trying to quote unquote cancel them and i will say this again and this will always be a hill that i'm willing to die on cancel culture doesn't exist you're just not a good person and that's what it's always gonna be you know what i mean dave Chappelle, funny for years went through a whole lot of shit i don't know didn't he go to africa or something he's not a good person okay and <laughs> you know he's a black man that built his comedy on talking about black issues and you know black experiences who married an asian woman and moved to ohio like he's not he's probably he's not a good person and you know chris rock funny as hell you know everybody loved everybody hates chris it was a good show his stand-up for years and years was so good so good he was a, he's a good actor and the fact is is that he now feels backed into a corner because all of these people that he spent years making fun of in private and then tried to do that same thing in public they're not participating in it and they're not just allowing him to do it and that my friends is called accountability you know what I mean people are just Dave Chappelle can continue to do whatever he wants and so can Chris Rock and the the criticism that comes from people who sit in those identities is valid and especially because Chris Rock's special was very we I he is just bitter because a black woman broke his heart took him for everything he had and then he got slapped on national television. And I would be mad too if that's the direction that my life took. Because he was openly admitting to tricking. Openly admitting to tricking in this fucking special. Talking about, oh, I spend all my money on pussy. And here you are, lonely, mad, and slapped. <laughs> and that's what I be saying. Like, oftentimes, like, it's like the Chris Rocks and the Dave Chappelle's and the whoever else's, they're just angry. Because their life went in the opposite direction that they thought it was going to because they got all the money and they had all the fame and they couldn't control anybody. Because at the end of the day, I know we joke and, oh, you know, if I find a nigga with six figures or if I find a nigga with $20 million, I'm going to look the other way while he do what he... No, we're not. There are not many people out here who are willing to sacrifice their mental health, their sanity, and their own personal well-being for, you know, some dollars. And, you know, whether or not you, oh, the, I would. No, you wouldn't, baby. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. And that's the thing. Chris Rock's life has just led him to a place where he's alone. A black woman took him for every single solitary thing he had. And then somebody slapped him on television because he told a bad joke and instead of reflecting on that and being like how can I reposition myself how can I like pivot my comedy and what can I do to like move my comedy forward he just wants to sulk and when I tell you nobody fucking cares nobody cares and that's all I wanted to say y'all like I think for sure absolutely like I will never say 
that Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, you know, the Bernie Macs and the Steve Harveys and the D.L. Hughleys and, you know, the Earthquakes and the Chucky Duckies and, you know, all of those comedians, I will never say that they were not important and they weren't funny and they were not pivotal in the development and the progression of black comedy. But I will say that once those comedians get to a point where they have no longer know where they no longer know where their comedy is going to go, they just get a little stale. You know what I mean? And I think like, cause like Cedric the Entertainer had a Netflix special and his comedy was super, it was still really funny because like, you know, you can tell Cedric the Entertainer is just this country ass black man who is now living this like privileged rich ass life with these little kids who got all these white friends. And he's just like, well, damn, is this how my life was supposed to go? And it's just like, damn that's funny like you know and I think you know D.L. Hughley has had some of the same issues where you know he's just made some bad jokes and then instead of being like yep this was a bad joke people thought it was a bad joke and pivoting from there they just double down and that's also not funny like sometimes you know your audience definitely does just kind of want to see you be like this wasn't funny I know it wasn't funny I acknowledge it and like you know, I owe you guys more than that. Instead of being like, oh, well, fuck y'all, cancel culture. Okay. <laughs> You're just alienating your audience, okay? Look, I did this on the last special. I did this on the Dave Chappelle episode too, y'all. Like, go out there and listen to some um, black comedians that aren't just necessarily, you know, the mainstream. And if you need some suggestions, look, um, who are some of my favorites? I like, ooh, I love Ian Lara, who is a little smaller. Um, Takara Williams, hilarious. So is Zaynab Johnson. Um, Josh Johnson is really funny. Like I said, we just went and saw Tony Baker. He was hilarious. Kev on stage was hilarious in his stand-up set, so as to hear more. Um, Tone Bell is really funny. He's kind of white funny, though, but sometimes I can tolerate it. Um, Clayton English, hilarious. T. Murph is very funny too and he's also on a uh, woke on hulu if anybody watches that but um and ooh, felonious monk is like one of my favorite comedians i think he's so fucking hilarious like miss pat is hilarious in a way that like still kind of tells jokes and like the old style but still like pushes some of those boundaries especially with her show like I there are so many people out here that you can watch that don't have to be mainstream stand up comedians. And I want that for you. Like if you want any more suggestions, let me know. I I listen. Stand up is a it's, it's a it's a um very fun genre for me. Like I love watching stand up. It's it's very funny. And um like going to live stand up shows, super fun, like really really contagious, like energy, like very fun to do. So yeah, like I I love it. And I do just kind of want comedians to find a way to be funny and like a way that isn't stale and then get mad. Oh, well, I guess I can't tell jokes anymore. Well, maybe it's just that you can't tell good ones, you know? So let's all just be better. Okay. <laughs> let's just all be better. Okay. Uh, the, 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 we're not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about timeliness. All right. The episode is going to come out when it's going to come out y'all. Um, I got out of a very toxic situation and I'm starting to feel 
a lot more mentally clear. So I'm hoping to be back on track, but I love y'all for listening. (laughs) You know, when I post on Wednesdays, when I post on Fridays and Sundays, okay? So thank you all so much for not giving up on me and for still listening and for still appreciating and for still taking out time to like DM me and write comments and, you know, respond to my stories. I know I'm just annoying and (laughs) posting all the time because I'm bored, but I do love and appreciate y'all. Okay. I hope everybody has a great week, productive, restful, whatever it is you need. And as always, stay black until next week, y'all. Peace out.